Thank you very much. Uh, I think one of uh, my greatest privileges is to share with people what God is doing in this world. We hear so much of what Satan is doing and wickedness and sin and evil, and yet we rejoice together to hear what God is doing. The Lord said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm here tonight not just to tell you what SGA is doing, but I'm here to tell you what God is doing and how God is building his church in former communist countries. And so I say a big thank you to the Reverend Dane for the opportunity to come back again to update you, to share something about the work as we continue to serve God and to reach out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, before I come to the presentation and share by way of PowerPoint, I want to bring you to the Word of God and read some verses together, uh, and then we'll come uh, then to the work of God. But let's come, first of all, to the Word of God. And we want to turn together to well-known verses, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We want to read from verse 10 through to verse 15 as we read here about the armor of God. Turning to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. And we know that God will bless his word indeed to all of our hearts. Sometimes commentators will point out how strange it is that Paul should mention a gospel of peace right in the middle of a passage that's dealing with warfare and conflict and armor. And yet it's a reminder, isn't it, tonight that we are in a conflict, uh, and as we live in this world, uh, the battle is raging. And yet, as Paul reminds us here, that God has given us an armor that we can put on that will keep us standing and going forward with the gospel in these days. I just want to leave a couple of thoughts with you from the verse 15 that we've read together where it says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace or the readiness of the gospel of peace. I believe tonight as we look at this verse, the first thought I want to leave with you is that the gospel shoes provide stability because this really is in the context of standing. So let's think about this preparation or this readiness as the whole armor of God. We go back to verse 11 and 12 where the word of God says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." From the cradle to the grave, life is a war. Your soul, your mind, your body, your family, your career, your service for God are, are all fields of conflict. And until Satan is finally thrown into the lake of fire, our peace with God will have to be a vigilant peace because Satan does not want us to have peace with God. But this is the gospel of peace. If you were to go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, we find there that the hostility has been dealt with between the sinner and God, and God has dealt with that. 
we come to chapter 2 and verse 19, and we see hostility has been dealt with and broken down between peoples in the family of God. Because there in Ephesians 2.19, between the Jew and the Gentile, God dealt with that hostility, and they were one in Jesus Christ. Satan doesn't want to have that people to have that peace that the gospel gives. And so there is war, and Satan will fight against us. We are in a warfare. I believe it was Warren Wearsby, maybe, who said that believers need to realize that they're not in a play park, but they're on a battlefield. And that's the reality. We're in a battle. And as the word of the hymn reminds us, as, as we near the Lord's return, greater will grow the conflict. As near the Lord's return. And the conflict is very, very real. And as Paul writes here, there is the danger of falling in this battle because Paul says, stand, stand, stand. And the gospel shoes give us stability to stand. These are sandals rather than shoes or boots. The Roman soldiers would have worn sandals with spikes on them. And so as they went out into the battlefield, they would have been slipping maybe with the morning dew, with the rain, or more likely from the blood that was being shed in the battle. Those spikes on those sandals give them stability to stand on the battlefield. And tonight the Word of God reminds us that the gospel, the gospel gives us stability in the battle that we might stand in these evil days and having done all to stand. Thank God there is that stability tonight. We live in a difficult age. We live in a time where there's great hostility against the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're in a postmodern society where there is no absolutes and therefore the gospel as we believe it is no longer acceptable in society. There's the new perspective of Paul that undermines justification by faith alone. There are the religions of the world that are a religion of works. There's open theism that attacks the sovereignty of God. And yet in the midst of all of this, we can stand. There is stability tonight. The gospel shoes provide stability. But the second thought I want to leave with you is this. The gospel shoes provide mobility. You know, friends, tonight God just doesn't want us to stand, but he wants us to move as well. He wants, to, he wants mobility to be there in our lives. And here in verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation or with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And that is the context in which we read about having uh, our feet shod or the readiness of the gospel of peace here. Ready to move with the gospel, standing firm for God and moving with the gospel. Jesus said, we're going to all the world and preach the gospel. And tonight God wants us to move with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is most likely that Paul here is taking reference from Isaiah 52 and verse 7, where we read about the, 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 the gospel and moving with the gospel. In Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. How beautiful. You know, it's interesting. This verse doesn't say how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who have good news, 
who know good news, but who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And here tonight we find that there is the gospel shoes give us mobility. God wants us to move. Gospel shoes give us stability to stand in this evil day. But you know, I believe, and it's not really in the context of this verse tonight, but I believe that the gospel shoes give us ability. Because when we have the gospel shoes on us, I believe this gives us a confidence in the message of the gospel that gives us an ability that we don't have in ourselves. The Word of God reminds us so clearly there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 that God takes the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Why? That no flesh will glory in His presence. And friends, we may feel weak tonight. We may feel insufficient for the task. We may feel, I cannot do it. Isn't it wonderful tonight, dear friends, that the Word of God reminds us that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me? I'm not a strong person. I remember years ago, got out into evangelism and knocking doors to share the gospel. And my friends, I was trembling at the very thought of, I was sick of the idea of going out and knocking doors. It was okay if you got a couple of decent doors and people were pleasant. You know, you picked up a bit of strength to keep going, but I could never do it in myself. Isn't it wonderful that God gives us strength for this task? Isn't it wonderful tonight that the gospel shoes gives us stability? It gives us mobility. It gives us ability that we might go with this glorious message in these days and reach our generation with this great message of hope. And so tonight I leave these few thoughts with you as we come to the presentation, as we think of those tonight who have gone into the world and reaching their world with the gospel going to their nation. Yes, they're standing for the truth of the Word of God, and we're so grateful for that, and they're standing firm. The gospel shoes is giving them stability, but the gospel shoes is giving them mobility, and they're reaching their nation. And they're not doing their own strength, but God has given them the ability that they need and the power of the Holy Spirit and the confidence of the gospel to reach out in these days and to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your prayers and for your support and for remembering us as we continue to serve the Lord with Slavic Gospel Association, as we think of equipping the church among the nations and ministering to God's people and helping them and equipping them. I just came back from the Republic of Moldova last night, having stopped off in England for a conference and then got home Last night, it was a great joy to be back in that little country, and I want to share something of Moldova with you this evening before I bring you across the border into Ukraine, where I was a few weeks ago, and just to share what God is doing in that war-torn country in these days. As God gives us opportunities to serve Him in the countries of Central and Eastern Europe, where we've been serving God for, for many, many years, and of course, these countries are all former communist countries, bringing you then into Central Asia, where God opened the door for us 23 years ago, and that work continues to develop today. Uh, just about six years ago, God opened another door for us to go in further east into the Russian Far East, and of course, this is beyond Siberia. And when I was here last time with you, and I think, believe it or not, I think it was 2017, 
I shared with you, if you can remember, back to then, about the Russian Far East and the ministry, and we just started to work in that part of the world. And then just two years ago, God has opened another door for us, and that is to serve him in the country of Mongolia with partners there as we seek to reach out and to see God's people with the mobility the gospel gives them as they share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And into all these countries, into all these regions, we seek to equip the church. We don't send missionaries. I've explained that to you before. We're not a sending agency. We don't send missionaries from the UK or Ireland, but the policy and the structure of our mission has always been to equip the national believers. Now, I don't want you to leave this church saying that Derek Maxwell is against sending missionaries. I am certainly not. But this is just the structure of our mission and how we have operated now for, well, it'll be 75 years. Next year, we'll be celebrating and giving thanks to God for 75 years of God's faithfulness. And so we seek to reach out through our four core ministries of training workers, sponsoring leaders, publishing literature, and distribute a need. And tonight, I want to just bring you through these ministries and share something of what God is doing. Let me bring you to the first ministry and that is training workers. I'm going to bring you to the Republic of Moldova, a little country sandwiched between Ukraine and Romania with a population of about 2.5 million, 2.6 million. It's considered to be the poorest country of Europe economically. People really struggle here. 94% will consider themselves to be Orthodox and 61% live out in the rural parts. And so they're many communities to be reached for God in this little country of Moldova. As a mission, SGR serving the Lord in the northern part of the country. So right up here, you have the city of Bels, which is the second largest city in the country. And we're serving and placed up here in the northern part, which is Russian-speaking. The central belt and the south part are Moldovan-speaking, which is a form of Romanian but we're in the Russian area, and our school is a Russian-speaking school right here in the city of Belts. And we thank God for these facilities that we're able to use for our Bible school. We have been serving God and teaching and training now for 30 years in the Republic of Moldova. Just back in November, we had a special celebration to give thanks to God for 30 years of God's faithfulness and how hundreds of people have been trained in our Bible school in Moldova. This is just one of our Bible schools in, uh, right across Eastern Europe and into Central Asia. Not only was it a celebration of the 30 years of God's faithfulness and serving God in that country, but it coincided with a graduation service for the 15th group of students that were graduating back there in November. It's always a wonderful time when students graduate and move out to serve God. And it was a thrill for us to hear that over the years, just to hear that 85% of the ministers and pastors in the northern part of Moldova are graduates from the SJ Bible School. The fields are white unto harvest. God says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest field. And God is calling young people. God is calling them into missionary service. They're coming and going through our training program, and we thank God for every one of them. It was good to meet with some of those who had graduated. And so, while we're involved in the training of students and preparing them for missionary service, and that is wonderful to do that, 
Our second ministry is sponsoring leaders. This is where we draw alongside missionaries and help them in their service for God. There's so much poverty, and they need finance so that they can give themselves completely to the Lord's work. And this is where SJ draws alongside many of our graduates and others who are faithfully called of God and serving God in these days. Let me bring you just to a couple tonight. Here is one of the students who graduated back in 1998. His name is Sasha Polistuk. SJ have been supporting him as one of our missionary pastors now since his graduation. And the Lord has been greatly using this brother as he has been planting churches. And it was a joy to meet with him again and to hear from him and how God has been helping him and blessing him in the work of the gospel. He's sitting here with his young son on the steps of their church in the, in the town of Fronze, up in the, close to the Ukraine border. This building is a very interesting building because during the days of communism, it was a communist center. And in the building where they meet to worship God today, there was a statue to Lenin. Thank God that statue is gone. And where Lenin stood stands the pulpit for preaching the word of God. And so where people were being enlisted to the communist party, thank God, people are being converted to Jesus Christ in that very building today. And Sasha Polischuk is faithfully serving the Lord. He and his family have a great burden to reach other communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as a mission, we were able to help him again by providing money that he could purchase a good van to help to transport the team of evangelists who are going out into different villages and towns in the northern region of Moldova. And this has been a great blessing and a great help in the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He informed us that he has just started to work in two more villages where there are no believers, there's no Christian witness. It's, it takes time to build relationships and then to share the gospel and to see a church planted to the glory of God. But Sasha continues, and we're so glad to be supporting him and helping him in this vital ministry. He's one of the longest missionary pastors that we have been supporting in the country of Moldova. Now, I want to bring you to the one that we've been um, financing and supporting for the least time, and this is Michael. Michael just graduated there in November, and Michael has gone out to serve God in a village right on the Romanian border. Again, it was a village where there were no Christians, no evangelical work. And Michael, with his wife, have gone to serve God in this village. And I'm so pleased to tell you, friends, tonight, already a couple of people have come to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about hundreds of people, but aren't we thankful for the ones and twos who are coming through, uh, through for the Lord? And in this village where there were no believers, tonight there are a few believers, a church has been established, and Michael is faithfully serving God. And we're thankful for him and as we support him in these days. As a mission, we're supporting missionary families in Eastern Europe. We could call it Orthodox Eastern Europe or into Central Asia where Islam is so strong or the pagan parts of Far East Russia. And tonight we're supporting over 200 missionary families who are faithfully serving God in these days. And so we thank God for our Bible school and training others to share this wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to support missionary families who are going at the call of God, and we're equipping them and helping them 
in a practical way. I was back in Moldova there, just came back, as I said last night. It was a great joy to be back in that little country again. This time I went to welcome the 16th group of students. What a joy to see them coming from different parts of the country to start their studies in the Bible school, to prepare themselves for missionary service. Most of them are aged in their 20s, early 30s. There was a couple of men in their early 50s, but you know, when you get to my age, early 50s is still young. And we thank God for them and their dedication and their commitment and the call of God on their lives to be prepared for service. And we rejoice to see this group commencing their studies. It was oversubscribed. We couldn't take all the students who wanted to come, so they will have to wait two years before they can join the course. But we thank God for those who have entered, and we pray that God will bless them as they prepare for future days. Moldova is a country that needs the Lord and needs the gospel, and God is working, and we thank the Lord for that. Tonight, I want to now take you across the border into the country of Ukraine, as I share with you about our fourth ministry, and that is largely distributing aid. When this war began two years ago now, on the 24th of February, of course there was a real crisis in the situation where we as a mission were able to step in. The war began on the Thursday, the 24th of February. On the 25th of February, we transferred our first amount of money to Ukraine. The money just poured in in those early days, and that first day there was about 80,000 or 100,000. We were able to send it out right away to help the churches to reach out to the people. And I'd like to thank your denomination and the mission committee of your denomination that uh, helped to us in a very wonderful way as money came from your churches, and we reached out into Ukraine to help the people who were suffering so much to provide food for them to minister to the brokenhearted as devastation swept across that country as the Russian missiles were hitting so many of the cities and the communities of Ukraine at that time. You know, when I was back in Ukraine there, there were a couple of things that came very forcibly to me, and that is the reality of the war is awful. Friends, war is cruel. The reality of the war is awful. The other thought that came very forcibly to me that was this, that the power of God is amazing. And as I go through and share with you about Ukraine tonight, I want to bring that out and help you to understand what I mean by this. But, you know, friends, as I sat in some of the church services, my heart was melted. I remember sitting the Sunday evening in this church service, and there were some young men at the front of the church participating, and they were asked to share a little bit about their lives. And this young man, he said, my father's on the front line. The young man who had been standing next to him, he said, my brother is on the front line. And the young man on the other side said, my brother is recovering from injuries and getting ready to go back to the front line. The pastor was sharing with me, he said, my 24-year-old son is involved in the war. And he said, many of the young men from my congregation are on the front line right now. And he said, please pray, because they're not just on the front line, but the Russian military are surrounding them. As I went from church to church and I listened to parents, their heart's cry was, and they said, please pray that my son will not be taken to the front line. The reality of the war is awful. I think of one of the most poignant moments for me that one morning was to walk with Marina 
and her husband Vlad to the grave of their only child. Their son was killed on the front line. We were in a situation in a cemetery that was given over to the war dead. Beside their son's grave, two graves down, there was another grave from a young man from Urban Bible Church, two more graves down, another young man from Urban Bible Church, another few graves, another young man from Urban Bible Church. And as Marina and Vlad shared their story that day and we stood with them, we tried to enter into the grief that they were going through and the pain that was in their hearts. Marina came back to the church with us and she spent a little time sharing with us how God had opened a new ministry. She was devastated. She couldn't understand. She questioned God and she thought, why is this happening to us? Why was our only child taken from us? And then she said, God began to work in my life and four, years, four, months after, four weeks after my son was taken from me, I got a phone call from another lady who invited me to come with her to another family who had just lost their son. This lady had the awful responsibility of telling that family that their son had just been killed. Marina sat with them, she wept with them, she prayed with them, she shared with them. And God put in her heart this new ministry that she would have to mothers lost their sons, wives who became widows and daughters who had lost their fathers. She sat with us for about a half an hour and then she said, I must go back to the cemetery. A military funeral is about to arrive. She draws alongside the grieving family. She gets their contact details. She visits them in their home. She invites them to the church. She has Bible studies where she invites broken-hearted mothers, widows who are finding it so difficult to cope with life, and daughters who are facing a very difficult future. Marina seeks to share the hope of the gospel and what Christ can do in their lives. God is using her in a very powerful way and as a mission. We seek to help these people, but also we're focusing on helping the war widows and the orphans. The Bible, the Word of God, exhorts us to remember the widow, to care for the orphan. As a mission, we seek to do that. We're supporting thousands of widows in Ukraine alone. Sadly, every day the number of widows is growing. Hundreds are being killed every day. Young widows, like Katia here that you see on the screen... Her young husband was killed on the front line. Five months after his death, she gave birth to her little daughter, Sophia. She has three children. And she shared of what life has been like for her and of the experience that she has had. And she said, I lost the dearest person to me and the father of my children. He loved us and for the sake of a better future for our family, he went to fight and gave his life as a hero. We miss him so much. But I want you... To take note of this next paragraph, God revealed himself to me, my children, through the love and care of the local church. Without this support, I would not have survived. I lost my husband, but I give birth to a daughter. She's a good sign of hope and a future from God for me. Sophia, or, um, Katy is one of those widows that received help through the evangelical church, and we Send out the funds so the evangelical church can distribute aid and minister to widows across this country. And Carrie is one of many widows that found hope in the gospel. 
the church reached out to her. And today she testifies that she couldn't have survived, but God has met with her and changed her life. Not only do we seek to support widows in Ukraine as the war continues, but also to support the orphan. And in these houses that have been built for orphan children, 12 to 17 or 18 orphan children live here with Christian parents who are reaching out, who are caring for them and ministering to them. Hundreds of orphans are being cared for right across Ukraine as we send out money to continue this ministry to support them. Little children have seen what they should never have seen. They've heard what they should never have heard. And here Christian husbands and wives are seeking to minister to them at this time with the joy of spending time with this family who an orphan family who were in the city of Kherson. That was the first city the Russians captured when they invaded Ukraine, and they had to move to another location. They're caring for 12 orphans. There are nine of them in the picture. Three of them were out in the woods. Three of them are teenagers. We went out to the woods to visit them, to spend a little time with these orphan boys. They were loading a truck with timber for firewood, to send it back to the city of Herson, a city that has been bombed every day and still been bombed. And these young men were wanting to help the people in the city of Herson. The reality of the war is awful. It's all around us as we drove through the country, as we met with people. People's hearts are broken, and yet in the midst of despair and destruction, the power of God is amazing. We went to Urban Bible Seminary that was hit by a Russian missile. The building was badly damaged. The heat was so intense in this building whenever it was burning that the metal was crumbling, the walls were falling down. And yet the power of God is amazing because the library in this building that contained 23,000 volumes, many of them are out of print and could never be replaced. Those 23,000 volumes of books in the, in the library of Urban Bible Seminary, there wasn't even the smell of smoke of them. It reminds us in the book of Hebrews, or the book of Daniel, and here God preserved this library. And God preserved it for a reason. And as I sat outside the, the building and I spoke to the President Igor and the Assistant President Benjamin, I realized why God had preserved the library in this cemetery. Because tonight, there are 888 students in this one Bible seminary in Ukraine. Hundreds of them are on campus. Hundreds of them are studying online. This is just one of the Bible seminaries, and they're all full of young people who are giving themselves to God and to serve God. In the midst of this war, God is moving in the church God is moving amongst believers, and they're giving themselves completely to God, as the Word of God exhorts us. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, he said, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might know what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in the midst of the war, the church of Jesus Christ has been stirred to its very depths because believers realize that the temporal material things can be hit with a Russian missile 
and can be gone within a second. And tonight, friends, the believers in Ukraine are investing for eternity. The Word of God reminds us to lay up treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves cannot break through or steal. The believers in Ukraine are dedicated and their lives are fresh to God. They're in the midst of war, destruction, and death. Dear brother, he said to me, when you have all your earthly belongings in a plastic bag, then you begin to think about life and death and eternity. For many people in Ukraine tonight, their earthly belongings are all in a plastic bag. Believers are seeking God. They're giving their lives completely to God to serve him. But amongst the unbelievers, they're in a hopeless situation. They're crying out for hope and they're packing the churches. The closer you get to the front line, the fuller the churches are. I've been told that 90% of the people attending the churches are non-believers, but God is saving them. Thousands are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The church is alive. The gospel is a part of God unto salvation. The group of people that we work with in Ukraine, they have a vision for the coming years. And their vision is and their purpose is to plant 1,000 churches by the year 2036. My friends, I'm going to repeat that because it's beyond my comprehension. With God's help, they want to plant another 1,000 churches by the year 2036. And they've already begun. I met one man when I was there, a missionary that we support in Ukraine. He's already planted 15 churches. Eight weeks before I arrived, he just started to plant another church. This is the burden of their hearts. This is their passion. This is their desire. Their future is uncertain. But they realize more than ever, Ukraine needs the gospel. And they're seeking to reach out in this day of opportunity. We as a mission, we seek to support missionaries and help them in a practical way at this time. I want to bring you to our final ministry, and that is publishing literature. And I'm going to bring you very quickly to Central Asia. When I was with you in 2017, I mentioned the Bible Project to you. We just launched this Bible Project in Central Asia then, and God has been really helping us and blessing us, and thank you for your prayers, because God has helped us with our partners to provide the Bible in Kazakh, and that is for this nation up here, the Uzbek language, and also in Tajik. And this is tremendous to have God's Word in these languages. As we seek to provide God's Word, it's Bible sets we're providing, adult Bible and a children's Bible. You can see where we're speaking about. When we think of Central Asia, you have Russia to the north, you have China to the east, you have uh, Afghanistan and Iran to the south, and in between, you have Central Asia that's largely Muslim, but it's still open, and there's still a day of opportunity to share the gospel. And so as a mission with our partners, God is helping us to provide the Word of God. Just last year, 50,000 of this little New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, was printed in one of the languages of Central Asia. It's bilingual, and God is using it to reach young people. When I was there, I heard of young people who are finding the Lord as they're reading God's Word. God's Word, God has promised not to return to him void and not to return to him empty. This is the greatest book in the world. We can't give people any better book. My friends, when I was there, 
There was a young man who's heading up this ministry. I'll just give you his first name. His name is David. I've never met. I don't think I've met a more godly young man. I'm not showing this picture for reasons tonight, but he is the most godly young man in his early 30s. A young man who's sold out to God. A young man who just wants people to have the Word of God. As I went through Central Asia with him, I watched him distributing the Word of God as he walked through the different countries. I remember in a, in a restaurant one evening, a little cafe, there was a young Muslim young man who was serving us the food. Before we left, what did David do? He took out the Word of God. He presented a copy to that young Muslim fellow. I watched the expression of that young boy's face. I could see the absolute delight on his face as he took the word of God and he held it in his heart. And he said, thank you so much for giving me this special book. As soon as I finish my duty tonight, I will start reading this book. We want to see Muslim families reach for God. God is blessing and helping with this very special project as the word of God is distributed across these nations. Please join us in praying as we seek to reach Muslim families with the Word of God in Central Asia. Friends, the Word of God reminds us in John 9 verse 4, Jesus said, I or we must work the works of him that sent us while it's day. The night is coming when no man can work. We've just got a window of opportunity. We've just a window of opportunity to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tonight, I'm not going to tell you my age because you wouldn't believe it. I look so young. I just can't help it. But, you know, friends, there's one thing I'm aware of tonight. This one life I have is passing by so quickly. It'll soon be gone. And remind you the words, words of C.T. Studd, only what's done for God is going to last. We're so grateful for all who join us in this walk and this ministry that God has called us to. I want you to pray for the students that they'll be well equipped as we teach them and prepare them for future service. Please pray that the, the widows and orphans will receive much needed care, especially in Ukraine, as we seek to reach out to them. And pray the gospel workers in Ukraine will have strength to keep going. So many of them said to me during my recent visit, they said, please pray, we're exhausted. We're just totally exhausted in the middle of this war. And friends, I want you to pray for the Bible sets in Central Asia that many Muslim families will come to live in faith in Jesus Christ. We appreciate all who stand with us and support us. And I want to say thank you to you tonight. Please stay with us. Please stand with us. And that together we'll see great things done for the glory of our God. Do take the literature with you. It's on the table there in the vestibule as you leave. There is our mission news, which is front lines. There's a copy for you tonight. You can read more about the ministry and what God is doing. You can also sign up if you'd like to receive information in hard copy or online. We'd be delighted to do that. This is our the Bible Project leaflet. Please feel free to take one with you. This is supporting missionaries. And also the work in Russian Far East as well. So please feel free to take the literature with you and continue to pray for us. There's just one item for sale tonight. And it's this book that was just released a few weeks ago. Hope in the War Zone. And really this is bringing 
very powerfully to our hearts the reality of the war, but also the power of God that's amazing as God is building his church. Eyewitness accounts of what's happening in Ukraine. This book is five pounds, and the money from the book goes back into the gospel witness in Ukraine. You may not have come to prepared to buy a book tonight, and that's fine. You take the book with you. You can ring up our office. The number's in the back of the book and pay by credit card or some other way. Don't worry about that. If you never pay for it, you can live with your conscience. But I know the book will bless you. And you take the book with you and take the literature and thank you for your prayers and for your support. We're so grateful. May God bless you as you serve the Lord. And thank God the gospel shoes give stability. The gospel shoes gives mobility. The gospel shoes gives an ability we don't have in ourselves. May God bless you as you reach your community with the gospel. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we do thank our brother for coming this evening and uh, uh, sharing with us uh, the Word of God and also the uh, work there of the Slavic Gospel Association and the work that has been done. We can remember these different prayer requests for the workers, for the orphans, for the Bible Project, and uh, for the uh, students uh, as well. So we just ask you to remember these things before the Lord at the throne of grace in prayer and one after the other i'm just looking for the time here um but we have some time anyway to spend um and we will seek the face of the lord tonight let's unite together in prayer our loving god and our gracious father in heaven we thank thee for what we have heard tonight we do thank thee for the uh, feet that are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace we thank Thee it is a message of peace, peace of conscience, peace of heart, and we thank Thee that there's everlasting peace and rest to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank Thee for those that are hearing that message. We do thank Thee for those that are finding that peace in their hearts, and we do thank Thee for the work that has been done there. We do rejoice in what we have heard about many coming to the churches there in Ukraine. We do thank Thee for those that are being reached. And our God, we pray that Thou would continue to work and bless. Uh, we pray for a move of God in this day in which we live. We pray that Thou would continue to work. We thank Thee for uh, those uh, many students that we have heard of tonight that are uh, giving themselves to spread the gospel message. We pray that Thy hand would be upon them Lord, that thou hast raised up many to go forth with the uh, gospel message that they might have their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, O oh God, that uh, thou hast blessed those that have gone. We think of those uh, men that we have heard of tonight and uh, the representative of many others. And we pray that thou hast continue to work and bless in this day in which we live. Remember, uh, those workers, Lord, they need to be strengthened, and we pray that they might be strengthened with might in the inner man, that thy hand would be upon them, 
that thou wouldst provide for them. We thank thee for the strength that God is able to give and to bestow, and we pray that thy hand would be upon them. Remember the work of the orphanage, or orphanages as well, and we pray that thou wouldst continue to work there. We think of many broken homes and uh, sad lives, but Lord, we thank thee for the hope that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that thy hand would be upon the Bible project, and we thank thee for the Word of God going forth into different uh, lands and uh, different people groups and different languages. And our Father, we thank thee that thy Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in this day. So, Lord, continue to bless and be with the work and witness there, and continue, Lord, to bless those that are laboring for Thee. And we just uh, lay all at Thy feet, and we'd ask that Thou wouldst take charge and control. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen.